part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11 this morning. Matthew chapter 11. How many of y'all have a, uh, a nighttime ritual, sort of, that you, and I'm not going to ask you for what that is, uh, when you're getting ready and you're wanting, you're wanting to sleep at night, how many of you have kind of a ritual that you go through? Sometimes it's going to be, you know, that you shower or bathe, you uh, brush teeth, and, and maybe uh, you say your prayers and maybe you do a little bit of reading. Sometimes some people get some warm milk, but we have a problem really with getting rest in our society. We're kind of geared up. And so sleep is really one of those things that uh, we don't really get this quality sleep. And it's kind of mind-blowing to me because we live in a day and time when you can buy a four or $5,000 mattress that is a smart mattress. Did you ever think that there would be such a thing as a smart mattress? That when you snore and it hears the snore that it actually would elevate, you know, so that you stop snoring? It's an amazing thing that we live in a day where you have all these aids to sleep. You can get white noise in your bedroom. You know, you can put on a babbling brook. You can put in rainfall. You can put all kinds of stuff on. Uh, this list would not be complete if you didn't include essential oils now. But, you know, you kind of have that going over here. And so we don't have a ritual where we kind of check off things at night. But by the time I get to bed, the, the pillow has been fluffed and all the other things have been taken care of. Uh, the essential oils are going on her side of the bed. Uh, I have already turned on Babbling Brook is what I go to sleep. And I'll hit that four or five times during the night. I'll wake up and it, it's not playing. So I'll, I'll reach over there and, and I just want that Babbling Brook. And yet, are we really resting? Are we really resting? We have all these aids. We have all these different things. And yet, are we really getting not just the sleep that we need, but the rest that we need? It's an amazing, amazing thing. And so then we go into the next day a little bit tired. How many of you have woken up in the morning when the alarm goes off, whether that is in your house is 4.35, 6, 6.30, whatever, and you're going, I am already tired. How many of y'all have done that before? And so the world is now presented kind of an antidote. And please, if you drink these, please, I'm not offended by this. I'm not saying that it's the devil's poison or anything like that, okay? Um, my, My drink of choice would be coffee in that manner. But how many of you have ever, you know, to get through the day, the energy drink? You know, you go in there and whether whatever it is that you kind of, you know, you go full throttle, you amp it up, you red bullet, you do whatever just to kind of get you. Through. Well, here's what doctors have discovered about this. It will kind of hype you up. You can get through the day. You know, you can kind of do the task at hand. But there's this thing that happens in our body. It sends this adrenaline and so it's like a rocket that goes off. And you can, I mean, for the next two, three, four hours, doctors say, man, it gives you this boost. Here's the problem. You never leave the stratosphere, and so gravity, after the energy drink is gone, guess what happens? Re-entry and crash and burn. And so you kind of get through these next two or three hours, but then after that, unless you kind of, you know, open up another one, you know, you're going to come back, and you really are this place of really where you depleted. it. But... That's kind of a solution that we've made to a problem that many people experience. Okay, maybe if I just have the, you know, the proper uh, sleep technique. Right now, I mean, my pillow. I don't have one of those. Anybody have a my pillow? Does it work? Does it work? Good, good. Okay, you can give that because he seems like a good guy. It's made in America. You know, I think he's a believer and, and all that. So you know, I've been tempted, and then I saw the price, and I'm going. 
No, you know, then I'll stay up all night worrying. Why did I pay $50 for a pillow? But we have all these things, guys, for, for one thing, because we're, we're kind of tired. And we really do want rest. We know that God created us to be people that do rest. And some of that he put into rest and, and, and to a Sabbath. He said, okay, this is a day of rest. I've made this for you. Here's my gift for you is I give you a day of rest. And yet, let's confess, sometimes we've even turned the Sabbath into another day of just getting a list of things done. Now, I don't say that so that we can just sit there and go, okay, is there an answer? But we're going to come upon a verse today that I think oftentimes we take out of context. It's a beautiful verse. It is a wonderful uh, invitation to rest. But I think because we're such tired people that when we hear this verse... We're tempted to go back and say, okay, this is what Jesus is talking about. And what verse is that? Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Okay, how many of y'all fit like you're kind of part of the crowd that he's talking to now? Okay, <laughs> you're heavy laden, you're laboring. And he says, I will give you rest. Now that sounds great. That sounds quite needed and it sounds quite attractive. But is Jesus saying, okay, cuddle up with me and and I'll give you eight hours of sleep? Is he saying, okay, if you come to me, you're going to be able to sleep through the night and you're going to have this full readiness for the next day because I'm going to give you energy and you're going to be able to go into uh, proper REMs and you're going to be able to... That's not what he's talking about. But before you write that part of it off, the physical nature of rest, before you write it off, please listen to the entirety of the context of this sermon. Yeah, guys, if there's nothing that you ever remember about Pastor Bobby Linkus in the time that I would be, I would hope that you are, you know, that guy, he preached too long, he didn't preach that great, but he always tried to preach in context of the Word of God. He always wanted to see, not just this little slip here, these five words, but what was the content? What was the word really instructing us to do? And this is one of those verses that if you just read verse 28 all by itself, you can really kind of lean yourself toward a physical rest and leave it at that. God, I'm just really tired. I'm exhausted, God. And you promised me rest, and so I'm just, I'm going to cuddle up with you And God, you know, in the morning I hope that I feel invigorated and ready to go for the day. It's not that he cannot give us physical rest, but that's not what this verse is talking about. He's approaching, uh, it's what we would call a salvation text. He's promising us something here that is spiritual, that affects the physical, but he's not really talking about the physical first and foremost. He's not talking about a stimulant that we could get, you know, do and get through the day. He's not about all these different things that the world throws at us that are good things. I have nothing against a very comfortable bed. I have nothing against, you know, uh, having the essential oils going on one side and babbling brook on the other side. You know, now we're in our comfort zone. There's nothing wrong with that. And yet, when we're just seeking physical rest, we may have misdiagnosed some of the problems. So let's look at this in context. Because God is always going to be complete in his word. And when we look at the context of this particular thing, we begin to see that, that Jesus starts off and saying some things that seem very un-Jesus-like. Okay? We always picture Jesus as loving 
And, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he's going around and he's eating with tax collectors and hugging them and smiling all the time. And he is that. He is the loving God incarnate in flesh. But he himself, he said, you know, I come and, uh, and you know, I'm going to bring peace to the heart. But, but it's not always going to be being, bringing peace to people. In fact, he said, sometimes people are actually going to be divided over my word. This is one of those things where Jesus says some pretty harsh things that seem uncharacteristic of Jesus, but they're not really uncharacteristic of Jesus when we look at the full ministry. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Let's go back to the beginning. And he gives a very severe correction and judgment here. He says, Then he, that is Jesus, began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. In other words, Jesus had been in these places, he had ministry there, he had miracles there, and yet they heard that and they did not accept that he was the Christ, and they really did not accept this, these teachings about the kingdom. And so look what he does in verse 21. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. He, he said, if the things that I did in your city had been done in these other famous Old Testament cities where they didn't repent, he said, they would have repented. Then he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 23 and 24. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? Will you be brought down? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Not exactly the, the nicest place that we equivalent in, in our minds. He said, if, if I would have done those same works in Sodom, they would have repented. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Now, knowing some of the Old Testament context of those cities and their rebellious nature, their, their sinful nature, gives us some context. But you really don't have to be a biblical scholar to say these are really not kind of fluffy niceties that Jesus has just kind of thrown out here. He's telling the people, hey, look, <laughs> you, you rejected my truth and my word. And there's a judgment to come that's in line with that. As much as Jesus loved the sinner, as much as he loved us, folks, he always shot straight about, hey, if you're not turning to me, you really are rebelling against me. There is no comfortable middle ground. Jesus did not come to be a friend, even though the word says that we can become friends with him. That's not, he's the Savior. He's the one and only answer that God has given us for our own sinfulness and our own rebellion against God. It's the only hope that we have. And so when it comes to these times when Jesus is talking salvation, life or death, heaven or hell, folks, he gets right to it. He's black and white. He doesn't like paint a little gray area. He doesn't kind of tiptoe around the truth. But right on the heels of this condemning, this condemnation that he makes toward these places, this harsh word that he has, is an invitation. It's an incredible invitation. Right on the heels of that is where we find this in context, verse 28, this invitation to come and, and to rest. 
See, what he was exposing in their lives is that they had a spiritual problem. Sometimes that's hard for us because we deal with mental problems and we deal with the, the physical problems and the emotional problems. Most of the counseling that I would do, people go, okay, here's my problem. See, God made us really multifaceted. It's an amazing, you are an amazing work of God. You really are. Whether you know Christ is your Savior or not, you're an amazing creation of God. And what God decided in his wisdom, not in our wisdom, we didn't say, okay, God, give me a mind, give me a heart with feelings, give me the, you know, a body so I can run fast or climb trees or do this. By God's perfect design, he created in such a way that we have a physical body. He created us in such a way that we think. He created us in such a way that we have emotions and we feel. But folks, never get it wrong of who you really are. You are a spiritual being that happens to have a body, a brain, and emotions. At the core, you are a spiritual being. Not a physical being that just happens to have a spirit. Not a thinking machine that just happens to have feelings. You are a spiritual creation of God at the core. That's the sin of creation. That's what separates us from all the other parts of creation. He says, okay, I give you the spirit, the soul. But I put it in this body that you're going to use for a while. And it will wear out. Sometimes very quickly, it will wear out. And I'm going to give you thoughts, and I'm going to give you those things. And when the fall came in Genesis, when sin came into this world, all of the physical part, the mental part, the emotional part was tainted. In that fall, all of a sudden, our emotions became very, very self-centered. Our physical bodies began to age. Our mental thinking began to think mostly of ourselves. You get that? But at the core, we're still spiritual beings. And this is where Jesus addresses this in such a direct way. So many times when we read this verse about how God has promised us rest, we think about it addressing maybe this physical exhaustion that we have. Now again, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but just yes or no in your heart and mind. Would you say that there are often times in your weeks, in your days, in your months, that you really are exhausted, you're overwhelmed, either physically or emotionally or mentally? Mentally, you just can't turn it off. You're sitting there at 2 o'clock in the morning. It just goes. Or physically, you're going, you know, I... I I really don't know how I'm going to get up out of this chair. I'm exhausted. I don't know how I'm breathing right now. Because that takes a little bit of effort. And so when we come upon a promise where Christ extends this invitation to have rest, we're going, man, I'm all in. But oftentimes we are thinking rest in this mental capacity. We're thinking about rest in this emotional capacity. We have a broken heart. We're troubled by something. Or we're talking about the physical. Okay, God, yes, I just need rest. Eight hours of good sleep, and, and I would have rest. And yet, this is addressed when we take it into context to the spiritual being. He's talking about the answer of Christ. He's talking about the finished work that he's come to do. See, the rabbis and all the Jewish leaders, they had, uh, the Bible says that they had put like <laughs> weights upon the people with all the laws and all the commands and all these different things. And he says, man, it has you weighted down. It has you exhausted. But I've come that I can give you rest. 
And he did that not by promising us eight hours of sleep one night or not that, hey, I got this new monster drink or this new, you know, amped up thing to where you can get through the day. No, he said, I, I did it because I came and I died for your sins and now you've been made right with the holy God. When you trust in this as your provision for, for rightness with the holy God, he said, then you can have rest on that spiritual level. Here's the thing, guys, though. When we get rest on the spiritual level, it opens up opportunity for us to start to have rest on these other areas. Here, here's, here's our philosophy. Here's what we've bought into a lot of times. Come fly away, sell away, come get away. And doesn't that sound good, right? If I put a picture up there right now of the beaches of Jamaica. I mean, some of y'all were passing around some of the, the, the wedding pictures uh, today, or the, the, the remarried, the re-wedding, uh, re commitment. I, I don't want anybody to start talking about one of our elders this morning. I thought they were married, you know. <laughs> they have been happily for 20 years, okay? And they're starting their next 20 years, right? But if I put up a picture up here of Jamaica today, oh my goodness. Are you a little bit tired this morning, physically, just a little bit tired? You work nights, you work hard. Are you a little bit tired? And so if I put up this picture of Jamaica and, and this nice, all-inclusive resort that you went to, would there be a little part of you, Radley, that would say, yeah, I wish I was back there right now. I'd take my bride back there right this moment. Because, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Q was there, Q was there. Guys, that's attractive to us. It really is. And there's nothing wrong with that. God is not saying that getting away and taking a vacation and having a day off is bad. He's not saying that. But he's not addressing that problem. That getaway mentality sometimes can actually bring complications to our life because we're so looking forward to it. Have you ever done this? I was counseling a couple, a sweet couple years ago, and they were having a lot of financial troubles. And we had been working, and they would gotten closer and closer to, to, to kind of becoming debt-free. It was still probably a year and a half away. And uh, all of a sudden, they're, they're not there for a couple of weeks, and we're not meeting. And then they get back, and they said, yeah, we went on a cruise, and we went on vacation. I said, great, that's wonderful. They said, but now we're kind of frustrated because now we owe $2,500 that we don't have. And now we're stressed, we can't sleep, we can't do this because now we're overwhelmed that here we've kind of got up to this point and now because of this decision to get away and sell away and to, to, to come away, man, we're, we're back here. We just lost about nine months worth of the progress that we made. Nothing wrong with getting away, guys. Certainly nothing wrong with cruises and there's certainly nothing wrong with an all-inclusive in Jamaica. I would recommend it to anybody. But sometimes when we're looking for that kind of a solution, when we want a solution to a physical, emotional, mental kind of situation and not addressing it spiritually, then it's kind of like taking that monster drink. That's a great effect. Watch out. Three, that's why they say last for three hours, last for five hours, last for seven hours. That's why they put it on there, because they, what they're basically warning you is, hey, you're going to get through the next three hours, but you're going to crash and burn, and reentry is going to be harsh when you come back. 
And sometimes when we are just saying, okay, if I can just get away, if I can just kind of get away, and this is the answer, when really there's a deeper problem, a deeper kind of aggravation going on, then, then folks, we're, we're not doing much more with that vacation if we're treating it in that context. And it just doesn't help. Pretty soon we want to get away from other things. Maybe if I just have a new job. Maybe if I just can get away from the kids. Now, I, I get that, okay? I, I do get that one a little bit. That Okay, if we just have a break. We just have a, 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 a mommy and daddy weekend. Nothing wrong with that. But see where it starts the longing of our hearts? Escapism. If we can just get away from these things. And, and all of a sudden, well, maybe if I just get away from my marriage, man, that's kind of troubling. What a dangerous place to be, guys. When we start seeking for solutions that, that are not really dealing with the problem, they're just kind of dealing with symptoms all of a sudden, I mean, if it is a troubled marriage and you go off and you have a great week, but you come back and you haven't solved anything spiritually, there's not transformation of a heart and mind. If you're not loving your wife as Christ loved the church, if you're not just committing yourselves to the two becoming one, then guys, I don't care if you go off for one week, three weeks, or five weeks to Jamaica. And I'm not talking about you. Let's use another place. To uh, Brazil. Because <laughs> I don't want to make any inference here. It doesn't solve the problem. It's an amazing thing that we kind of fall for that lie. God has made us spiritual, physical, mental, emotional. And at the core, we are spiritual beings. And oftentimes, when it comes to the troubles and the overload and the overwhelmingness of our life, we kind of treat the physical, the emotional, and the mental first, and then we deal with the spiritual. I mean, I've heard it before, guys. Well, I guess I'll try church. I've tried everything else. And I am so glad that you would try church. I, I would hope that you'd try Christ and not just church. But, but I get what you're saying. But isn't it amazing that sometimes we deal with the, the spiritual as a last resort? When at our core, who you really are is a spiritual being. This is when we begin to wrestle. The title of the sermon this morning is, Do you want to rest or do you want to wrestle? Because I promise you, until we have that peace really with Christ on that spiritual level, you're going to be wrestling with some of these other things in your lives. Jesus invites us to have rest. And where does he point to that rest for? Look at verse 28 and 29 again. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And sometimes that's the, the one place that we're not addressing rest. Man, if I can just get eight hours of sleep, if I can just get these five things off my to-do list, if I can, and we're dealing with a lot of other things that truly are matters. I'm not making light of of parental responsibilities, marital responsibilities, job responsibilities, not making light. That's what we call life. And yet there's a core part of who you really are, and that is a spiritual being. And that's why Jesus comes back and says, man, I'm going to give you rest, but here's the kind of rest I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you rest for your soul. Does that sound attractive to you? 
I mean, what would that look like if God gave you rest for your soul? Do you think that rest for your soul would bleed over into the physical, bleed over to the mental, bleed over to the emotional? that's who you really are. Aren't you thankful for a, a, a God and a Savior that says, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to treat your symptoms. I'm going to treat your problem. One of the most frustrating things about going to the doctor today, well, you're coughing, well, here's some cough medicine. In other words, we're just going to help you not cough as much. But maybe you still got the cold. And I'm not saying that all doctors do that. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes we're going, okay, this is just treating the symptom. And, and what I really want is a cure for the real problem. I want to get down to the core of this. And Jesus loves you enough. He loves me enough. That he says, okay, here's the core of the problem. And, and I'm going to get down to the core of it. So, man, what you need is really rest for your soul. He does not ignore the physical. Look what he said. You that labor, other translations are going to say that you are weary. Okay, that's, that's you know, a, a, a part that is external. He's not ignoring that we have external heaviness in our life. Then he says, uh, are the emotional. He said those who are burdened are heavy laden. He's not ignoring that sometimes we have internal strife, emotional things that kind of have us upset. But he addresses the foundation. This is why Jesus' answer to rest is not come away, sail away, get away. Now before you say, well, Bobby, there was that one time, or I think a couple of times that he told the disciples to come away. Yeah, because they were physically exhausted, and he did say come away to a lonely place. But he was still dealing with the spirit and the soul as the core. He doesn't ignore the physical, the emotional, the mental. He just makes sure that, that, that we're getting the attention to what we really need, and he's promised to give us provision. Instead of saying, come away, he says, come to me. He didn't even say, come to church, guys. He said, come to him. I'm not making light of church. But Christ is about a relationship, not a religion. It's not about a list of two. In fact, that's the very thing that he's addressing. They, the Pharisees and the scribes had added so many things that the people, yeah, they went to synagogue, they, they went to church of the, their day, and they came away feeling even heavier. Have you ever been to church and you went away heavier than when you came? And I'm not talking about some of our Baptist buffets or anything like that. I mean, have you really, you sat there and you're going, man, what I need, really needed today, I, I, what I really needed was some rest. What I really needed was, you know, some of this load off of me. And, and yet, because, man, that, that pastor was going and just shooting right at me, and, and we went away sometimes feeling heavier. I, I pray that that would never happen here. Because unless we preach the truth of God's word, part of preaching the truth is that it always has a redeeming factor. There's always the, the hope of Christ, the hope of the gospel is always redemption at the end. So if we just leave it with judgment and we never get to the redeeming part, the hope of the transformation, we have not preached the gospel. We've preached religion. doesn't mean that we preach that there's a rightness and a wrongness of things, but if we never come back to the hope of Christ, then we've only preached half of what Christ told us to preach, and we haven't preached the important half. So he promises rest. And then he says, 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, again, most of us do not come from an agricultural society. A yoke is, I should have put a picture up here. I apologize that I didn't. Uh, but a yoke is, it would fit over an ox, and there would be two slips there. And this ox would come, and then you'd put another ox beside it so that they could work together as a team. And, and so what Christ is inviting you into, he says, now you come to me, take my yoke upon you. Not that he comes to your yoke, but he invites you to his yoke. He says, you know, we're going to be a team together. I, I will be with you in this. He does not promise that there's no more fields to plow. He just says, okay, in plowing these fields, know that you've got me right there beside you. And then he says, learn of me. The Christian life is one of discipleship. It is one of sanctification. That more and more and more, we want to be like Christ. Kind of our whole vision for 2018. More of him and less of me. So how do we do that? Last week we talked about worry and trust and how we're kind of wrestling. There's a friction between those things. This week we're, we're talking about the friction that happens between rest and and then just wrestling with God. And Christ has invited us to come. Because here's the goal, guys. Here's the goal. And this was where you might disagree of what you want, but I would hope that you would agree with what you need. The Christian life is not about the elimination of your problems. The Christian life is about being made right with a holy God and then learning and looking like Jesus. And we can only look as far as Christ himself to see that his life was not an illumination of outside problems. And yet what we do see through that life is that he eliminated for those who put their faith and trust in him the problem that he and he alone could solve. Our sin and our separation from a holy God. That's the core of who we are. I, I hope you can go away today, and I, I hope for some that you can get a Sunday nap. And I hope for others that, that uh, maybe you can go to bed early tonight. Maybe hope for others that, that you really, you know, that you can pray and, and really some of those emotional heavies and things that are going on in your mind, that you, you can really have some rest from those things. Because we don't make light of those. Christ didn't make light of those. But here, here's the hope. Guys, if we use any of those other three aspects of our life, the physical, the mental, or the emotional, as the foundation of our life, we will be worn out. Because you were not built and wired up that way. You are a spiritual being who just happens to have a physical body, emotions, and mental processes going on in your head. But who you are at the core by God's design is, an emo, is, a, is a spiritual being. And that's why he says, man, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest in your soul. Because I love you and I know that's where you really need it. Here's, do you realize last week we, we, you said that there's a choice that you have to do? Christ has done all the salvation work. You don't have to add anything to that. It is complete and finished in him. And yet the Christian life leaves us with some choices to make. Last week, do I worry this week or do I trust? This morning, do I wrestle or do I rest? 
I come and I just confess to God, God, I need you. And even though I am tired physically and I'm overwhelmed mentally and I'm emotionally just frazzled, and if somebody drops something, you know, it's going to start me and I might just go off. But God, I realize that even with all those things going on in my life, what I need is for you to give rest to my soul. And so I seek your word. I seek your face. I seek you, God. I seek you. And then you give us me guidance, God, of how I can start dealing with these other things that are just the responsibilities of life. And they're not going to go away. But now you've got the right foundation. It truly does begin with right relationship with God. Guys, It's a, it's a spiritual problem. Your tiredness, my tiredness, me being overwhelmed. At the root, it really is a spiritual situation even if we could point to a thousand other things that seem emotional, physical, and mental, I promise you, according to God's word, the root, our need, is for us to have rest in the soul. And there's only one place we can find it. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. Father, we thank you that as Christ said this, Father, after these stern words that he gave to these people of these cities that rebelled, Father, this is a salvation verse. Father, he he was trying to say, hey, look, I came and I I will accomplish what your greatest need is. And that is down on the, the spiritual level. But God, thank you that you said that you sent a high priest who knows that we go through physical things and mental things and emotional things and is highly sensitive to those things. Father, you went as far as to clothe yourself in flesh so that you could dwell among us and experience what we experience. But Father, you never changed the rules. You knew that our greatest need was that of a spiritual problem and that you gave the answer. And so Father, we thank you for Christ. And Father, I pray as we go out in this next week, and Father, we are very much face being tired and overwhelmed and needing rest. That Father, that we find out that, that sometimes we don't need five more minutes of sleep. What we need is five more minutes in your presence. And what we don't need is just an energy boost that comes from a can. We need a heart that's being transformed and a mind that is being transformed, made more and more in the image of Christ. So thank you that you are directing your word. And now, Father, we just uh, we, we come to follow you. And we thank you for the answer that you've given us. And we pray in the power of his name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.